Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the show where we break down everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And for the past almost two years, we've had nothing except older movies and TV shows and other things to break down for you. But finally, we have a new MCU movie to talk about. And to talk about that movie, we assembled a great panel, um, starting with the regular co-host. We have, of course, Anthony Canton III, fresh off vacation to Cape Cod. How are you, AC? I'm refreshed, relaxed, and ready to talk about this this movie. Let's go. And also, of course, Jerome Chang. Jerome, how are you? I am doing wonderfully. And we had to bring in some trusted hands who we know always got the great Marvel takes. You know her from the Want Not Need Fund. She's, you know, big in the Twitch streams. You've seen her in the streets. Shivani Bonfall. Shivani, how are you? I'm great. How so excited to be here and you know talk about this interesting movie that I kind of forgot about already and I watched it last night. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also That's uh, right, Shiv. It is a movie that it, played for a certain amount of time. No. Yep, it's about it's a little over two hours. But nice. also joining us is a senior writer at ESPN. I believe it's uh are you a producer at Metal Arc Media? Is that the title? I am, how are you Howard I am I am terrific I'm good I yes. was I was told that um, I cannot be coming on anymore in the future because mm-hmm. um I'm turning into a regular so I need to be a little more judicious but I was like okay back to back weeks I'm good with that yeah you know okay. it's okay. we're not we're not keeping score as long as you know you're not it's just you know. <laughs> I'm not keeping score shout out to yes. us regulars yeah yeah right? shout out regulars, to the friends right? of the show exactly it's, uh, um, yeah. But if you I want to arrange about. a load management schedule, we can do that. That's the load management is good. Yeah. You yes. know, it's good. But I'm, yeah, I was volunteering to get into the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, and that's what we're looking for. If you're a coach, you want the guy on the bench who's saying, put me in, put me in, you know? Um, no pheromones needed. Exactly. Exactly. And I am also an coach, Jay Christie. Uh, and we're going to talk about Black Widow. But before we do that, I'm not as good at transitions as Jerome, but I just want to tell you that if you want more content from us, including some great content from Giovanni, and I'm sure at some point Howard will cut do something. We got rankings. We got old Spider-Man pods. We got a Mission Impossible pod. Please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. I'll tell you this. This is a discussion we're having about Black Widow, but there has been a hopping discussion about Black Widow and Loki in the Discord going on. Some really great stuff, some great memes. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And so... Uh, that's been kind of that probably will inform what we talk about here today, but we haven't done a new movie in a while, and so we gotta break in the muscles. We're a little more structured when it's a new movie. So I first want to talk about um, briefly how each of you guys saw this because obviously there are multiple different ways to see it. Mm. Um, Howard, I want to start with you because I know you were tweeting about it, and I know that this was the first movie back in theaters for you, right? This was it. This was reentry. This was reentry last Friday, opening night Marvel movie. I go to my trusted Cinemark uh, theater and my son and I go for the 740 show. We show up at 718 and there are 224 seats remaining. Yeah. Wow. We walked in there and there was by count, by the time the lights went out completely by count, I counted 36 folks. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I, my theater wasn't that full, but uh, I want to go to, I'll go do mine last. Shivani, what about you? How did- the mouse gave me a free code. <laughs> and so I streamed it at home last Very night. Nice. 
Oh man. You bypassed, you bypassed $35? I did. Wow. I should have the person I introduced as a senior ESPN writer didn't even get the mouse code. That just the flex. Work for the company. Where's my code? Um, anyway, so that's nice. I'm sure that was great. And then AC and Jerome, I believe that you also you saw it uh premiere access, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Streamed it at home. So I uh, came back Saturday. Yeah, I got together with uh my trusty friends, uh, Thomas, Nicole, and Kristen, I've been watching like every Marvel thing with them. We've been doing an ongoing per month Harry Potter rewatch. Uh, and we I, this was actually our first like get together, get together post pandemic to actually like watch it in person. It was a fun time. We also watched uh, part one of the newly released Netflix uh, Sailor Moon, like two part saga, which wow. I, yes. I feel like shit, shit, yeah. Yes. We're going to do part two tomorrow after Loki. That's the plan. Is this a sale? We're going to become a Sailor Moon pod. Is that what's happening? We can. I mean, that's on the Patreon. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it. I'm not going to be on it. But no, <laughs> I uh, and I also I saw it in theaters as well. Um, I've been going to theaters because theaters are pretty. I've been going since I've been fully vaccinated, which has been a pretty long time now. So it wasn't my first reentry, but I went with friend of the show, Michael Springthorpe, to the uh, Magic Johnson Harlem AMC, which is a, the cheapest theater in Manhattan. For some reason, it's a full like $4 cheaper than every theater, other theater on the island. A little pro tip for anyone who lives in New York City. Um, and it was pretty empty as well, um, which is why I'm kind of surprised. Like, obviously, it only, this movie only opened to $80 million, which is a lot less than a normal Marvel movie, but more than like the Fast and Furious movie. So I'm kind of surprised that it did as well as it did um, when it felt like my theater was empty. I guess people probably went a lot throughout the weekend. But yeah, so it was a nice experience to see it in theaters again. It definitely, um, it was definitely a feeling I had. Um, and I'm sure it happened too for you guys, but just about hearing the Marvel music come in cool. in a theater. Yeah. Or yeah. oh, that would felt be very good. Yeah. Yes, it, it was cool. And I can't wait for theaters to reopen. Hopefully theaters reopen for you, Jerome, in China, uh, China, in uh, in Canada for <laughs> Shang-Chi. That's, sorry, I got, that's just not right. That's just not right what I did uh, for oh, Shang-Chi. What a week. Yes. Yeah. It's really. Whew. Was that your first take on that one? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's definitely on my second take because I would take take differently. Oh my god! I can't believe that I'm going to leave that in. But anyway, sorry, girl. <laughs> I, I swear it was because I was thinking of Shang Chi. Um, but uh, so when Shang Chi opens, I hope I assume yeah, theaters, theaters be open. are reopening uh, actually pretty soon here. Yeah, because so that one's going to be exclusively uh, in theaters. But anyway, mm -hmm. without further ado, let's actually talk about the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's safe to say that this wasn't the most anticipated Marvel movie ever before the pandemic. Um, but just generally, Shiv, I'll start with you first because you were the one who gave the first indication that you had a lukewarm take. What did you think about Black Widow as a whole? Um, I I feel like we were promised this like huge backstory story that would just make us love the character more. And I just ended up liking a su supporting character. And that was like the end of it for me. Um, but like, does it do... ScarJo Justice and Black Widow Justice, no. I think Black Widow in the comics is still way more dope than the cinematic version of her. And uh, AC, you're nodding along. What what did you think about the film generally? Um, I got to admit, I was pleasantly surprised uh, just in terms of thinking back, and I think back to last year when this movie was supposed to come out. We had trailer after trailer after trailer. We had like three or four trailers, clip shows, all the whole nine yards. And then after a while, it's like, I wasn't even really like hyped, hyped for this movie anyway. So 
coming into it, wasn't really expecting much. I think what we got was, and I think Shivani kind of alluded to it, a it was a really good action movie. I th- thought solid action movie. And I think the thing that stood out to me was how much the supporting cast really like elevated the film. And I think that was a big part of uh, why I enjoyed this movie so much. And um, yeah, overall, I, it, I think it was a, it was a pleasant experience. Um, obviously, we'll get to the stinger at the end. That was very interesting too. But um, there were overall, if I had to, I think Jake, you said a solid B plus. I feel like yeah. I, I fall I fall in line with that with that same grade. Yeah, and I'm also a generous grader before anyone criticizes me. Um, just because I don't know, I have there's enough. I, I just don't have that much energy to hate on movies. It's just really not interesting. Anyway, Howard, what did you feel about the movie as a whole? Before we're going to break it down more specifically, but what was your general feeling coming out of the theater? Um, coming out of the theater, I thought this was they just they pulled out all the stops. It was just going to be an action movie. Um, that this was. I think I'm in Shivani's camp where I was expecting this to explain all of the different teasers about the Natasha Romanoff character that we have been getting since 2008 or 2009, wherever she, I think she showed up in Iron Man 2 was the first um, appearance of in, in the MCU. And I thought this was going to be where we understood why she is who she is. And instead we got, um, we got we got Fast and Furious Marvel style. We got we got a huge huge of uh, Hollywood blockbuster. This is not going to make any sense at all. But enjoy the ride. Movie that tried to give us some meaning at the end in post credits, but for the most part, I do have to say though that that was enough for me. I I found it enjoyable. I was like, okay, I don't need. I don't need this to necessarily tie up all the others, but it was it was different than what I thought we were getting. And Jerome, uh, what did you feel? Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as uh, Shiv and Howard, at least in just saying like, it was fine. It was entertaining. I don't regret in any way, like having those two hours, I'm happy. Like, I, I think this is just kind of where you're sitting at when it comes to Marvel, like whether they give you the big home run or not like they just know how to make a movie that's worth your time like just something that's worth watching for a little bit and uh so on that front i enjoyed it um it's interesting to think about all that they were sweating in the order that these things came out because of mostly like plot wise because of what happens at the end credits but if anything i looking at everything and especially in how you know, you look at a Wanda vision and it gives more meaning to a Wanda and a vision. And you look at a Falcon Winter Soldier and it tries to give a deeper meaning to the characters there. And even with a Loki, it does it that way. And it's it's not even like plot wise. It's almost just like in choices ver- of movie versus having a series, like maybe Black Widow would have been better served to have more depth or more given it to it that way. Like, I don't know if part of the kind of um, not feeling that you're getting as much of a you know, filling in the background or filling in the past because you don't have six episodes to do that, but instead have this kind of like shorter form, like, you know, classic Marvel movie. So, uh, but on that front, like outside of everything, you know, supporting character Florence Pugh is amazing and was like, deserves watching alone for the whole time. And uh, all the secondary characters are fun in their own right. Um, I 
kind of to Howard's point, I don't care if things made sense really or not, because in a lot of ways, this movie is, you know, even with the um, end credit scene, it's kind of inconsequential. <laughs> I don't like it doesn't really He's right. do anything <laughs> like it's not yeah, right. like the one thing that I would have been really pumped about and actually kind of felt like a let was a bit of a letdown was Taskmaster. Like I thought Taskmaster yeah. was we'll get to that. Yeah, more but anyway, that, yeah, more into that later. Yeah. Go ahead. And yeah, I think that I think I don't know if it was just that I had low expectations or I didn't. I, I thought that they would explain some stuff with Natasha's backstory, but I really didn't expect them. To, I, I didn't need them to go super deep into it. Maybe because I'm only familiar with the cinematic version of her, I'm not. I was never chomping at the bit to understand her that deeply beyond just that she was like a, you know highly trained in like a secret program super spy who was kidnapped or something as a kid like that i kind of already got all that i I don't think that like i I don't think it was necessarily like that people were going into expected is that they were advertising it as yes i think that that's true i get yeah you're right i think i just kind of i i kind of would have guessed that the plot was that she was going to go back and stop and like destroy whoever it was who was behind her making her super spy and that's what it ended up being and i think that the kind of yada yada a lot of the specifics about the villains and stuff like that which i think is a problem but they replaced it with like this family dynamic stuff which i enjoyed and so like i don't that's why i didn't mind it that much it felt like they kind of were like that rat the movie is was kind of sold as how natasha related to the red room when really it's about how she related to these other characters we didn't know before um and i don't mind that because i you know i don't need uh I don't need the born Black Widow. Um, yeah, the, the the issue the issue that I had with this um, story going in it's not a it's not a complaint. It's an issue. Like, okay, here's what we're walking into, is that we have essentially this movie was so out of sequence. The question was going to be, what are you going to give us? Because the character's already dead, so we know that the character's not alive right now. So, is there even a reason? to give us a whole lot of backstory. Where is this Where is this boat being put into the Marvel Ocean? So we know that it's coming after Civil War. And so, so that gives you your action hook that she's gonna be you know, on the run, right? Because she, you know, because of her role in, in, in Civil War. And so, but to me, the question was going to be now, what do you do with this character? Because we know what happened in Endgame. And so for me, what I was thinking about when I talked about backstory was, okay, they've done, outside of the Hulk, they've done more wacky things with Natasha than any other character, okay? Like you go to the beginning, you look at her in Avengers, and okay, there's always a little bit of a flirt, you know, Scar Johansson's got the sex appeal, there's the Black Widow character is a femme fatale type of character anyway. And then we get to Age of Ultron, and suddenly she's in a romantic thing with with Bruce and they're showing when Scarlet Witch gets into, I'm sorry, when um, Wanda gets into her head, they show these ballerina scenes. And so you're thinking that you're going to figure out what was done to her to create this. And even when you go into Winter Soldier, you know, when she's in the, in the van, I'm sorry, in the, the stolen car going to New Jersey going, okay, well, who do you want me to be? So there's all of this thing about her not having her own story, not knowing where she came from, wondering who ruined her. She really is in a lot of ways, one of the tragic ruined characters as a human being because of all the things that have been planted into her, into her brain, not very different from, from Bucky Barnes. And so I was thinking that we were going to get some ballerina scenes in there because those are the ones that we had been told we were gonna get. I was thinking that this was gonna be the story. And instead it was just, 
straight nonstop action, which is a different choice. And I think it's, I think that choice is a different, it's a different choice if this movie came out in sequence. If if, if this movie had come out in 2016, all kinds of different choices are being made. And so I think you had to, as a viewer, you had to be a bit nimble and you had to just sort of ride it out because we know that this character is already doomed Mm -hmm. because we know how she ends. It's almost kind of like, you know, when you listen to a eulogy for someone who has passed and you find out like a nugget from their past that like, because you've only known a certain part of their life, you're just like, oh, I did not know that about them. We don't get any of that really. I think the way that I've been thinking about it though, is I think that what was kind of teased was a the setup of what made her the world's like deadliest super spy assassin. But what we ended up getting was the origin story of what what happened in her life to make the world's deadliest assassin become a hero, right? Because I think that that's something that's kind of blot that we kind of in the Avengers kind of just like yada yada that she used to be a horrible assassin had a bunch of red in her ledger and for some reason changed through her path and i think that what this movie tries to do is tries to explain what that her life wasn't as simple as just she was bred to be an assassin that there was this family thing that she does seek that and i don't know how successful it necessarily is at that or if that's even the thing that's most interesting or about her backstory but i do think that that's what they were trying to i think that for some reason i think the filmmakers were less concerned with the story of how she became a world's assassin and more about how she became someone in search of a family. Um, well, and in yeah. search of, and in search of redemption. I yeah. mean, I think the real, I mean, I think, I think that, and Chev, you can just definitely jump in because you have not said anything. You're like waiting, go, I'm go. like, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Patient, and I apologize. I got words, I got words, I got words. Um, no, I was just gonna say that the, um, it was almost as if you had three kind of plots and you weren't quite sure what the full motivation was. Was the motivation explaining the family? Was the motivation where she came from? Or was the motivation this trying to absolve this guilt that she's been carrying? Because you do have to take this film back to Loki in the room, you know, in 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 the Hulk's room that was rented out, uh, you know, the whole Dragoff's daughter, the hospital fire, and and the and the 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 jokes that they made about Budapest that she's always making with with uh, Barton. And so that to me was really sort of the heart of the movie, which was in a lot of ways, her way of trying to reconcile with what she did. I mean, for me though, I mean, I can't speak for the filmmakers in any way, shape or form, but when I was watching that, I felt like this was like their answer to age of Ultron. This is like them getting back at Joss Whedon. Like, oh, look, we're gonna give you a movie that's, you know, not misogynistic. Mm. but at the same time has zero depth to it like and even though like Kate Shortland like um you know made this film like she's made these other films that have so much more depth like uh Midsommar and all these other things so it was interesting to watch just like an action film from her Mm -hmm. but I I definitely do think that they just it's like we wanted to make a film to show this female character that we really just used for sex appeal like to build on what you were saying Howard um that we can make her something or at the same time I could also see that it was like contractual obligations to ScarJo to like give her a certain amount of money still like yeah there's so many different things there yeah I also think there was one other thing too in the jump in the in the the re-entry portion of this which was I think we also view this movie differently if we didn't have three shows from the pandemic 
if this is the first thing yeah. we see post pandemic, it's a totally different or it's a totally different vibe. But because we got WandaVision, because you got Falcon, because you've got Loki, I don't want to say this feels anticlimactic, but it certainly feels like it's one of like, like we've already been re-entered in terms of the MCU. It kind of feels like watching the seven seconds or less sons after the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it definitely is this feels very much like because you were using a baseball metaphor earlier that they don't have to be home runs like this movie is definitely like a single and the thing about marvel of, of late is that from the most part they don't really get out if any so i think that you're right i think even if there wasn't if there wasn't a pandemic like if this movie just came out the uh, the beginning of 2020 and we knew there were gonna be other marvel movies and stuff coming out down the pike I don't think anyone really thought anything of it. I think people would have been like, yeah, that was fed, whatever. Um, it really kind of, it would have served to be like our Ant-Man and Wasp again. Exactly. Well, it also like actually had a, it actually had a lot of Captain Marvel in it as well, where it's like, okay, we are at a special moment in time in this arc. What's this movie doing here? Like when you get done with Infinity War, I you're making us go back to Captain Marvel. It's like, it's just taking us in a different direction. This movie, we're at the end of Endgame. And now we've moved on emotionally. If you're paying attention, I mean, if you're into this and you're paying attention, now you're trying to figure out where we're going going forward with these movies. And this one took you backwards to 2016 or 2015 or somewhere in that in that area. So while we're sitting here, on the one hand, your brain is thinking, okay, I'm thinking Loki, I'm thinking timeline, I'm thinking, um, you know, I'm I'm thinking, you know, the I'm thinking about all the implications of the new movies to come. Then you go into the theater and you're trying to recalibrate and go, oh, okay, that's right. Why is she, you're remembering where this movie's supposed to fit. So I still think a huge piece of watching this movie had to do with the fact that it probably came out five years too late and they tried to retrofit yeah. that throughout totally. the year. Yeah. You brought up a really uh, good point though. I've never realized that almost every female character, including Wanda, starts their story with like going back. Um, which is interesting. So we never really get a female character from the In Marvel. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, yeah. and also like, I wanted to add like, and Howard made the point about Natasha's character in general. And I think the thing about this movie is like when you watch and juxtapose Natasha and Yelena, Yelena is emoting all of these things so much better, so much differently, so much more mature in a, in a lot of ways that it, um, for me, it's it's part of the reason, and I don't know if it's just Florence Pugh or just the way that her character was written in this, in this, but I just felt there's just not only a presence that in a lot of ways kind of upstaged the star of the movie, but just generally, I thought the character overall was written better. And I understood her more than Natasha in a lot of ways. And I felt like they were trying to get across certain aspects of Natasha's character, specifically the guilt do, aspect. Do you think Scarlett Johansson can act? Yes. <laughs> I think no, something she can't person. act, I thought for a while, I wasn't sure for a while, but I think she's really incredible in Marriage Story, and I think that that shows that she can act. But can she act in these movies? I'm not sure. Um, I will, to go back to Canton's point, though, I can't <laughs> answer the ScarJo question. <laughs> but... um. I think that um, Yelena and uh, Florence is the answer to the misogyny that mm -hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe never addressed. And then they finally saw that, hey, there are, you know, um, 
there are more fans than just male fans that we need to please to. So this is how we're going to go forward with it. And this is how we're going to like introduce or we're going to say goodbye to Black Widow and we're going to give you this new character that's going to be total badass. And I think they that's even exciting. address and they <laughs> even address like the whole the monster quote from Age of Ultron. Yes, I which, wanted to talk about that. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, you could jump right into it. But I just want to say like yeah. um, that the fact that they just addressed it so plainly and boldly I found was was very interesting but Jay, I actually have a little bit of backstory in that because I've been watching a lot of interviews because the thing I contribute to this podcast is like the celebrity movie star stuff and apparently that line because in Age of Ultron uh Nat makes a remark to the Hulk about how she's a monster too basically because she can't have children which I remember when I first heard that I'm like that is a leap to say that that makes you a monster and mm-hmm. they Basically, apparently what happened in the original draft of Black Widow, the writer had written a joke where like a Red Guardian made a joke about um, Natasha or Yelena being having their time of the month. And when they're reading through it, like Florence and all of them were kind of like, this doesn't make any sense. They It's canon that they had hysterectomies or whatever. And so they like, when they were doing rewrites, they rewrote that joke in afterwards. Um and I thought that that was very interesting that even the, in the original draft, they still didn't handle it correctly. Shiv, you're making a face. Yeah, I think I read that too. And I also think I read that like the per- they actually brought in someone who had the yes. science of all of that just mm-hmm. to rewrite that part, which is like they had to hire a consultant to mm-hmm. understand female bodies. Well, apparently what happened like- is that they, I think they did that to get it correctly. Cause I know that one of the people who did rewrites was the writer director, Nicole Holoff center. And I think that she was the one who wrote the joke. And so I, th- I think that they got, they brought someone in to get the actual anatomy, right. Cause they didn't want to screw it up again. But I do think it's an interesting, like I like, while it's obviously not for me, whether I was appropriate to play for comedy, I did like that. They had like the Joss Whedon stand in of Red Guardian getting told off. I enjoyed it. Oh, that. totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. the reason the reason why I asked if you think Scarlett Johansson can act is because one of the great one of the great surprises and great joys of the last couple of years has been Elizabeth Olsen can act. She carried mm-hmm. WandaVision. I mean, she carried it. This is this was hers. And so what we've been, at least what I've been waiting for was Scarlett Johansson's moment because Scarlett Johansson can act because of marriage tree. We know that she can act. We know that she has the ability to carry scenes. And so what I was hoping for was that opportunity for her to do that. And she did get upstaged by Florence Pierce. She got upstaged by her own character. She got upstaged by other people in the movie. And I thought that um, there were enough opportunities there have been enough opportunities set up for her to carry this, for her to act. I mean, for example, you know, for example, when she's when she's talking in, oh goodness, even in in Winter Soldier, you know, when she's like, you know, it's a good way to keep from dying, right? I mean, there's clearly something extremely important and melancholy about this character. When you watch her death scene in Endgame, there's a lot there for her there's a lot of material there for her um and they just chose to go in the other direction which is you know in the in the in the direction they chose was was straight up action go get it right and that was okay um i thought that the other piece of this in terms of addressing the the misogyny questions 
they tried as well in Endgame with the all-female scenes and the fight scenes, right? We've got this. We'll take it from here. And you're like... like 10 seconds of just exactly, all like 10 characters. Seconds, and you're like... It's solved. Misogyny is solved. Book it. When you're look, I'm watching that scene and I'm looking at my son and I'm going, Pepper Potts, superhero. Okay. Right? I mean, it was just trying... It was like this, you're going... Which is so funny because it's also Gwyneth Paltrow it's it's just a villain in real life (laughs) right I'm like you're joking right so so there were opportunities and then also because you know when you look at the at the widow character all the all the clues are scattered throughout all of these movies Auntie Nat because she can't have children so she's the best aunt in the world right so there are all these different places where you can sort of put the boat on the sh- in the stream and let it and let her go, and the depth, the 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 characters, the Taskmaster character had more emotional depth than Widow did. Her sister had more depth. You know, the Rachel Weisz, her mother, had more you know more opportunities. And so I think that once again, from the from a storytelling standpoint, they chose to they chose to to not go into those different threads that they had set up through all these different films. And maybe part of the reason is because we know the character's not alive anymore, mm-hmm. that this stuff is yeah. sort of inconsequential at this point. At yeah. this point though, do you think that ScarJo is just not invested in this character though too? Because I mean, if uh, from a t- production standpoint, they're just even from the beginning of the movie, you see that they're still heavily relying on ScarJo's body to like yeah. carry this character. Like there's a lot of shots where it's just like her butt is like the main focus, which is like, or her hips or like the shape of like her in the bodysuit. And it's like, is it, are we just still production wise, just leaning on um, appeasing to the male gaze or is ScarJo just not invested that she's not going to do the heavy acting because she doesn't like this character anymore? Like, will we ever know these things? Do I don't, I think that she's invested. I think I don't know how it explains her acting, but she was like an EP and apparently helped develop the film. So I don't think that it was that she was completely like, I don't think that this movie was very hands on. Yeah. I, from a contractual standpoint, I think it's kind of public knowledge that this movie was not a contract thing. Like they did this because she wanted to do it. So not only because she wanted to do it, but this was not, I I think the thing with ScarJo is I think a problem she has is that she has always looked like an ingenue, but I don't think that she's actually that mysterious of a person. I think that she's much more interesting when she's playing a very expressive person, but she's always cast as like the mysterious. You can't really know what's going on in her head. But if you ever watched Scarlett Johansson in an interview, she never comes off like that. She's, you know, kind of like a kind of try hardy, like, like kind of too bubbly. And maybe you're kind of like, is she like, she's lying to me. She hates me. That type of person. And I think that she's so often cast as the person where it's like, she's broken, has secrets in her past. And I think that they, they want that they want like her just face and acting to carry that in the movie. Yep. But I don't think it does. It kind of looks like there's nothing there. Well, the yeah. close-ups, that's right. And she does get, if you, you could, in addition to the glass montage, you could do the Scarlett Johansson up close over the, the Scarlett Johansson over the shoulder, look at the camera, which <laughs> they mastered throughout as well. I mean, it, it and it is true um, to Shivani's point. It really is a, a physical presence. You know, they're, they're selling her physically, constantly selling her physically. And that movie whether we're talking about the red room or we're talking about guilt or we're talking, that's an emotional character. So you're selling, you're selling her physically, 
but the story is an emotional one exactly um, which is yeah. so crazy for me to hear from you that from all of you that she was invested in this then like well I don't... well and that's the other thing because i when i was watching it my attitude was one how do you retrofit this movie coming out too late and all of the different ways how do you keep the characters involved how do you keep them invested in this how do you keep a character I mean, for us watching on screen, that's one question, but how do you ask her as an actor? Your character's already been killed. How are you, you know, how deep are you gonna go into this? You know, and on top of that, it's also, I don't know how much of that movie was finished before the pandemic, if it was just held or if they did a bunch it was, of work. I think it was completely done before the it pandemic, was completely except, done. For like, okay, so, except for like maybe some VFX stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I, I think that I sort of agree that, that was she bringing her emotional? I've got. I'm going to give you nine innings today. I don't know if that's no, no, maybe her thing so. was just she just wants to go out with a bang, nine, which is kind of what the movie was. Said, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I love that we're making baseball references during like All Star time. It's nice. you know we're we're <laughs> if we're anything if not on topic. But speaking of topics, we like to do a little more structure, like I mentioned with these new movie pods. So we've been talking around her. I'm talking about this topic, but I think a lot of us have the same answer. The question, one of the questions we like to ask is, who's your favorite non-superhero character? Which just means, who's your favorite character that's not the protagonist? The or, yeah. Yes. And I don't think that we need that qualifier um, because I think that the reason why this movie worked for me is just because, like, as, obviously this is not what it's supposed to be, but as an origin story for Yelena, it fucking ruled. Like, it, like, I want to see her in the next 15 years Over of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, they, and and I think that you talked about AC, whether or not it's the writing or Florence Pugh, having been the person who watched a lot of celebrity interviews, Florence Pugh, the moment they cast her in this, I'm like, grand slam. Because <laughs> she just is like bleeding charisma. Right. Like she gets like millions of people watching her Instagram story of her making marmalade. And I'll be honest with you, it's transfixing. So it's like, you just, she carries the screen in a way that ScarJo just doesn't. Tell and us you like Florence without telling us you like Florence. <laughs> I like Florence. I don't need oh, to not tell you. I yeah, love Florence. Yeah. She's great. I've watched her watch make marmalade. I just said it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Shivani, I you were talking about her earlier. Tell me you don't like. I mean, am I crazy? I mean, this movie solidified her for me. I wasn't, I was like, oh, whatever, little women, whatever. <laughs> and then I saw this and I was like, all right, I'm fully on board. I'm with Jake. Uh, give me an hour appreciation pod of just Florence. <laughs> Isn't it nice when you see somebody? It's said it's it is so difficult to quantify, but you know a star when you see one. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know that right there. Yeah, she's just so comfortable is the thing that it, you, at no point did you feel like she was trying too hard because she's always one upping Natasha in the scenes, but it never feels like she's never. like, oh, I have no, the no, good no, line no. in the scene. Not at all. No, it's it's completely just a. It's not how she carries the thing. It's just how she carries herself, and then you just gravitate toward that presence the whole way through I, I think yeah i i mean i was in the same boat um this is really my first entry point into florence Pugh. i've known of florence Pugh. i have not seen i think any other movie uh, she's us, incredible in little women honestly i i've heard and um and in a short amount of time my tiktok for you page is completely florence Pugh at this point um but though it was great because i remember watching and like i said i watched it with my friends and um, I was like, she's fantastic. And uh, my friend, uh, Kristen turns to me, she's like, that's just how she is. Straight wow. up. Wow. Like, that's just like, it's like, th- like, 
just um if you see her as a person like you just know she has that charisma already so just carrying it into her performance was the same thing yeah, every time she's she... going oh go ahead. i'm go sorry shivani go go ahead I'll go i was ahead. just gonna say every time she did the like the pose thing where i have a little bit about that too yeah. <laughs> Every time she tries a Black Widow pose, I was like, oh man, this is Can I up give so the badly. little fun fact I learned about that too, which I think <laughs> this is great, that the reason why that's in the movie and what I gathered from like interviews of is this seems like, well, obviously Marvel has a lot, Marvel movies have a lot of like changes on the day. This feels like this might've been, other than like obviously like, the Ragnarok, this had like some of the most improvising and like not so much mm. improvising, but like rewrites in rehearsal, which is a lot of times when people say things improvised. It's not like they do it in the take. It's like beforehand they say, hey, what if we did it this way? But anyway, that early on in rehearsal, after they did like the stunt training, apparently Florence Pugh asked the stunt trainers um, when they were talking about different poses, like what would the way that Natasha lands actually be safe? And they're like, absolutely not. You would never want to <laughs> land with your back arch. Like, that's crazy. You'd break your back. And right. so she told uh, Scott Johansson that on like the second day of rehearsal and Eric Pearson, who's the writer, was on set and had the headset on and he started just writing in jokes. And so that's how they came up with the runner of that being unrealistic. And I think that that is a perfect example of why when you have someone who's as charismatic as Florence Pugh, it's like, oh, because it, that's why it feels like she's kind of playing herself in a way because it's like right. humor well, is also coming from mm -hmm. her. Jake, well, like, I mean, one of the examples of where like Florence Pugh just like effortlessly charms is for me was, so the whole vest, you know, arc, right? I, I didn't connect it to like that Black Widow was wearing it afterward. And usually when it comes to a Marvel thing, like you just like flip out when it comes to an Easter egg. And quite honestly, I didn't care that it connected. I just wanted yeah. to hear Florence Pugh talk about vests the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> AC, you had something you want to say. On yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what I was going to say was just the idea of her going from trolling Natasha throughout the film in so many different ways, all of the jokes from the car scene to them having the beer and patching her up and all that other stuff. And then you get to the dinner scene and she's, and when Natasha's like, none of this is real. And then you see her saying, this was real for me and the way that she did it. I was like, holy shit. She it's impressive really in the sense that like, it, yeah, she's like incredible. in lesser hands, that is a very shaky scene to suddenly yes. have this like emotional moment and this flip of the script because it, like the whole thing before it is just as very silly, like, you know, it's just it's with the Romanovs. It's dinner yeah. with the Romanovs, and we're all laughing. Yeah. And then suddenly, like a switch, and like I don't think many people are gonna pull that off in any way yeah. that makes you care at all. Well, and there's there's something really special about that um, about that scene for a couple of reasons. And to me, what I really liked about it is that if there's one thing I really have enjoyed over the last several films, and it really in a lot of ways starts with Daniel Brühl in Civil War, is and it really, really was, was effective here with the Florence Pugh character, was the effect of the Avengers on the world. Yeah. Like their reputation, you know, it's like everyone's aware of them. You know what I mean? Everyone knows sort of, they know what the Avengers are. And, and one thing Yelena did really, really well throughout the movie was to be like, okay, you got to be famous. What about yeah. the rest of us? And, and that's really cool because, because that takes that takes a lot of care as a writer to, to sort of do your world build. That people, here's your reputation when you walk into a room, here's what people think of you. And you could see that, that Yelena pulled off the little sister. That was a huge part of being a little sister, yeah. right? Yeah. Not only 
was this real for me? But you got to be famous. So of course, this doesn't matter to you. You're famous. You know, you're an Avenger. And the idea of being an Avenger and the effect of the, of the world of, uh, that the Avengers have had on the world, you could see it in the Zemo character. You see it in this character. You see it when you get to Falcon and Winter Soldier with, uh, you know, with the Sam Wilson character. You, everybody obviously knows Captain America and they know Tony Stark and you know, even if you go to Spider-Man Homecoming, hi, I'm Captain America, right? So everybody, you, you get all these different pieces of how people view the Avengers. And I thought that was really effective because it makes me think two things. Number one, it's a reminder that Age of Ultron is an extremely underrated movie in this MCU. And secondarily, it also tells you that these guys destroy a lot of property yeah. and, and yeah. somebody has to live with all that property damage. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, like, you know, that big throwaway line in age of Ultron when, you know, Tony Stark says, uh, how, how fast can I buy this building? Yeah. You know? And it's just an eye roll because it's like, you guys are destroying the planet. Howard Howard been out with the Tony Stark hate this week, and I don't even mind it. I respect it. It's it's, it's been great to see. Well, I think it's, I think it, where did that come from? It came from a clip that you, it was the Age of Ultron. No, it was the, um, the Endgame clip. And so when Thor lops off Thanos' head, so I was like, okay, rabbit hole time. I hate Tony Stark. Here we go. And so (laughs) I ended up looking at Endgame again, and it was like, as I've been saying now, CeCe Sabathia, you know, pitcher, ex-pitcher for the Yankees, he and I battle all the time on this. He's totally team Tony, I'm team Cap, right? Mm. And I'm just like, his batting average, is his plus minus is not very high. I'm not sure that at the end of the MCU that Tony Stark is in the, is in the net positive. I'm just not sure. That's very, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, and I know the events of Civil War, obviously, People are always on two sides of it. And I mentioned it to you earlier today yeah, regarding that. I think the December 16, 1991 thing is pretty big. Like it does matter. Like in the grand scheme of things, that's a big, big, big mistake by Cap in that instance. So yeah, they're, just, I, I, playing devil's just because we're pl- talking about Black Widow, I hate to be this guy because I'm always the guy to go off topic. But No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. We agree, disagree. But I want to talk a little bit about the other people at that dinner scene because I remember that I heard that Kevin Feige, basically, when they were making this film, this was like the his like thing that he put a pin in that no matter as the film went through different iterations there always was a version of this scene um and i think you can kind of tell like it, it feels like it's tr- it's it, it's very conscious of being the important scene in the movie um i want to talk a little bit about david harbour as red guardian um <laughs> who i uh, just quick fun f- yes a quick fun yes. fact before i get ask you guys apparently he met his current wife uh current wife his relatively new wife lily allen when he was in red guardian shape and hair so if that isn't love i don't know what is she definitely can look past the 80 pounds or whatever but uh ac what did you think about red guardian i i was he a character you were very familiar with and did they do him justice so i i didn't know a lot about him uh initially but obviously as the as the movie gets closer you you learn a few things crimson dynamo that whole team of stuff but um i think overall like He's just such an, even though like he says so much ridiculous things, he, he's, he's a lovable oaf and, he, and it's hashtag 
wash dad season when it comes to when it comes to him it's just like it's my it's my i was gonna ask do you relate but i didn't want to be insulting but i guess the answer is yes no but it's like it's funny and i think the best part about it and and you you know you could quibble with the accent stuff as much as you want to i think the scene like right after the dinner scene and when yelena walks to the bedroom and she's upset or whatever and then he comes in and then he starts talking instead the story that he tells about his dad pissing Love on it. his hand. Yes, no, is he made toilet on my hand, I think is the line. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, is is that, and then the way that he's talking about his own accolades um, throughout the movie, it's just these random inflection points where he's not only doing that, he's, 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 he's congratulating Natasha and Yelena for being the best killers and having so much red on their ledger. There's just so much... It's it's great. It's great comedy. He was a great uh, great comedy relief from that aspect. There was just so many scenes that he excelled in. But yeah, most definitely, I enjoyed his performance in this. Uh, Shiv, what did you think about uh, the daddy of the movie? I you know I'm here for the washed daddies. Um, we you know we all get tired. We all get tired. Yeah, he was in prison <laughs> for how long? Wrestling arm wrestling people. But no, I I truly like David Harbor is he the comic relief he brings to like almost every character he plays is just amazing and um i i was really scared that i would see hopper from stranger things in a red guardian uh suit which sometimes when yes when you hear the accent you can hear the differences a little bit but you know (laughs) he does such a good job like ac was saying and you know that scene of when they're breaking him out of prison it it was like you needed that comic relief because it was just trying so hard to be emotional for like the first couple, you know, um, minutes of this movie. And then finally we get some like laughter. So I, I love everything he did with that character. I love the weird parents that aren't your parents that are trying to have sex combo that was going on with Rachel and him. That was great. It was all, it was all fantastic. Yes. Um, now, Howard, the one dad on the pod, AC, says he related. Did you relate at all to Red Guardian as a father? Um, well, I would say, I was going to say one quick thing before that. Please I do that. My say, question was done. You could ignore it entirely. No, I was going to say <laughs> that, um, what, and somebody is at my door. What are you doing? Um, nobody comes here. Um, I was going to say first that I thought that the Red Guardian character it's it's sort of a counter programming to a lot of the racism and sexism that we see in films. Um, that is the very first thing. Um, you know what? Someone is here. Hold that thought. I have to go. I'll be right back. Of course, Sorry. take your time. Someone's no, at my door. No problem. But I'll be back. You guys talk amongst yeah, yourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no yeah. Uh, So as we for Howard to get back. Uh, Jerome, what did you think of uh, David Harbour as the Red Guardian? Um, yeah, I, I think all the Wash dad stuff was fantastic. Uh, I, I, yeah, for sure, the it was really funny to hear him just make up stories about Cap or just like talking about what he could have been. Um, but I, I think I think my favorite part about him and his whole thing of like getting out of prison and finally getting trying to get back his glory is that he's just trying to fuck. 
Like, just for him, for him to like just sit at the table and like you know everyone's just kind of lined up and he just hits him with the old like daddy horny Michael. Um, but nah, you know, he just, did a bid though. Like he was in jail for a long time. So he like, did, you know. But like little bit, like, I mean, just there are layers to this one. It's like. <laughs> It's a fake relationship, right? Like this is this is it like was your, real this sex. Is your it was work. three years. Though. It was three it was years. Just, it's, like, it was it's, three it's very much. Like, it's like your work hookup, right? It's well, just like also, back. I've seen those sex scenes add. in the Americans. That was real. On that's somebody. what I was yeah. just about they, to say. Right, Russell and Matthew Reese have a child that. together. I mean, that's yes, yes, it was getting freaky. For sure. No, no, no. In three years, I mean, they're both attracted to people at the time. You know, it was going down, which is great. It's just great that like. That you know, um, horniness supersedes all sorts of like genuine, like actual background. And if that's not realistic, story. I don't know what is. You know, you know, if, if there's anything that is most relatable about releasing a movie late that we've been waiting for this whole time after pandemic is this guy being <laughs> mad horny. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jerome. Uh, Howard, you're back. What do you? What were you trying to say? I was going to say that the, um, you know, that the Red Guardian character really did sort of address some of the racism and the sexism of films. Right. And what I'm getting at there is I can't believe this is coming after my comment. <laughs> I didn't. Well, coming if this exactly, isn't right? our pod. If this isn't our pod in a nutshell, but continue, Howard. Hilarious, right? You know, it was just that the um he was there to be comic relief. He was there to be made fun of. And as the male character, you know, as you know, obviously Dragoff is one of the male characters, but as the sort of male character who gets the most screen time, he was the punching bag, which is essentially what has been done so often to um, female characters, to minority characters throughout. And so he had to play that role the same way the CIA agent did in Black Panther. So now you're in essentially the all black movie and now you're gonna be the punchline for a while. So that's, I, I thought that he played that role really well and in, in, in at no point did he upstage anybody in terms of his, in terms of what he could do. It was their movie. He was, he was picks. you know, he was, he was present. He was a total narcissist. And you could tell that at some point it was like, okay, do you even care or understand any of these people um, that you claim to be close to or family? Um, and, and I thought that the character, it wasn't necessarily explained, but I wasn't sure it had to be, which was, okay, once you rip a guy's wrist off, now we know you're enhanced. Okay, we know that, you know, no matter what your waistline looks like, you're a superhero. And of course we see later as you're, you know, scaling a 35 foot high, you know, wall with a gigantic gut hanging off your belt, right? I mean, I thought that was all kind of funny. So it didn't even matter that, okay, clearly he could have escaped anytime he wanted to. He just sort of hung out in prison. I mean, he could have gotten free if he needed to. Yeah, he seemed to enjoy being kind of like the local. He seemed to celebrity. be all right with it. Yeah, he was like, yeah, tell the stories about beating up Captain America mm, and all yeah. that other he's stuff. Like, he's like the fun super soldier because we see like the you know aggressive we, living third, up to the yeah, well Forrest, I guess you would say at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I think I liked about him though is that I think that in a lot of particularly of the time, movies that take place 
in or have like remnants from like the cold war the fighters on the soviet side are so often just robotic and yeah. have no feelings at all. and i like that he was an oaf that he was he was supposed to be the soviet answer to captain america but he was like more concerned about his own fame and reputation well, than he exactly. was about like because i think that so often they can it's just like that people in america all have their own thoughts and aspirations but everyone in the soviet union all they care about is the, their country they have no thoughts for themselves and that's, yeah, that's obviously right. stupid mm-hmm. and i think that this kind of was like I don't know how intentional it was, but it's like, you know, of course, no matter what country they're from, like, it's, it's ironic that Captain America for the consumerist capitalist land is the one who cares exclusively about doing what's right. And, you know, uh, the Red Guardian, who's supposed to be for this communist nation, cares nothing at all about protecting other people. He just I like how we come out of Falcon and Winter Soldier understanding the super soldier serum makes you more of you. Mm -hmm. And this guy just like more of just like a party guy. (laughs) It's more of a good time. Yeah. This yeah. this this serum could make me have like six more rounds. Absolutely, yeah. um, I try. I bailed on the. I think his alternate hero this. name is White Claw. You totally <laughs> understand why, like they're like sad that he's not really their dad because they're like, look at this fun dad that we exactly. have. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then finishing out the table, um, a character which honestly I was a little disappointed with how little screen time she got, but that's just a personal thing. Rachel Vice as Molina, the matriarch. Um, that was interesting. I'm excited to see that. Just a little note that today was announced that both David Harbour and Rachel Vice signed multi-picture deals with Marvel. So I'm interested That's to see cool. how they're done going forward. I imagine cool. that she's going to have more to do. But I thought that, um, I mean, I, I thought it, she definitely was, in that dinner scene, I felt like that her feelings about it were kind of the full fulcrum of it because you could tell that she was kind of resistant to view them as a family and then she kind of snapped into it um and i thought that, that was really interesting um jerome what did you think about uh rachel vice's molina um oh god that pig scene was poor alexi mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a struggle to watch through uh and like and also in itself kind of like playing to just like a real morbid comedy on rachel's part of just being so excited about her science um no she like in a family dynamic, like you needed her, right? Like, I, I think she just like brought it all together in the end, right? You have uh, stoic Natasha, you have kind of younger and impulsive Yelena, you have dad, and you need the mom to kind of keep it together. And so uh, like to that point, um, I think, I think, you know, obviously it's for personal reasons for you, Jake, but with how much she gave, you kind of wanted more out of Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course those personal reasons are horny on main, but anyway, uh, AC, what did you think about? Um, for me, and I think Jerome really said it really well. I think just the practicality of her, uh, just that stabilizing force, even though the pig scene is kind of like, it's jarring to see at the dinner table and everybody's looking around, like, is she going to let this pig die? (laughs) Um, that was, that was interesting, but I think just the overall intelligence of her in general, as they get into the the, the red room in the sky and all that stuff, I thought you needed I her competency because otherwise yeah. it makes all of this just bullshit. Yeah, just um, and and to your point, Jake, as far as as far as them continuing on, both her and David Harbor, think there's there's plenty of use for her in in these stories. Particularly, I would love to see her work as a work aside, along alongside Val. Um, that would be interesting if they if they decided to go that route. 
But um, yeah, I thought her performance, even in, in limited minutes, was pretty tremendous. Yeah, well, she is the Cold War character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. She is the she she's the scientist behind behind the machine, which we've seen in many many movies. Whether it's Wonder Woman, with you know, pick, take your pick. We've seen that we've seen that character before. She is also the one who has probably the best combination between. Natasha and Yelena. She's kind of got a little bit of both of them, but mo- much more mm-hmm. on the Yelena side. Um, you can't tell if she's a bad guy or not. This yeah. movie is going forward and you're thinking the reason why that kitchen scene is so important is because you're not quite sure who's going to double cross whom. You're not quite sure. It had a spy thriller feel to it right there. Like you're not quite, there's got to be one more punch to this. And it, obviously when you get up into the the, the red room helicarrier floating floating thing in the sky you'll get that but i i thought that her character was great and i thought that her character you know once again this is one of those examples where you're wondering who's actually carrying this film and that in some ways i don't want to say you feel bad for scarlett johansson because you don't but the other performances were better than hers they all seem to understand the assignment stronger I think. Yeah. I mean, Rachel really brought the deadpan delivery Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. well, which you needed, right? Um, Which all of you have, like we saw, you know, the wash dad, but then, um, you know, we've also seen, like you said, um, Howard, a ton of female scientists and we got to kind of explore like how nerdy and, and into her science that she was. Whereas like in age of Ultron, we saw like the, the female scientists that we never really know anything about. That's right. And which is which was fun too so once again we're seeing another like side of marvel bringing in a female character that even though we definitely deserved more rachel in this movie um just to be fun and to be a totally different out of the box character she's also deadly she's also extremely she's a dangerous character in terms of what she can do in terms of what she's willing to do we've already seen that she's willing to let an animal die right at the foot of the table right we know right. that she wasn't yeah right. you know it wasn't a yo-yo she was kind of willing to just and if, if i mean if he dies the he thing dies, that, right right <laughs> the thing i thought when i was watching this was if rachel vice was like 15 years younger she would have been the perfect natasha yeah. to begin with. Mm. i think that because all the things you're talking about were like rachel vice is the actress and i know i'm a stan so like i could but i, I don't think i'm wrong in saying she is someone who has put point of camera yeah. at her face and you have everything you need and the thing that it was interesting the way you put it like you don't know if she's good or evil i think the thing that i found so interesting about the character and this is something that i think the cold war thing also was thinking interesting with looking at it especially because like a scientist for any regime that's doing bad stuff is she i think that she has made it her life's mission subconsciously to never ask herself whether or not she's good or evil that like her family re-entering her life forced her to reckon with what she's doing but the reason she lives on a farm with no one but pigs is because she never has to wonder about what she's so removed from the stuff that she's doing that she doesn't have to ask herself that and that's why i didn't find it jarring that she like was willing to help them so quickly because it's like because she's kind of she, she just has put her head in the sand and her family being there is like, either you can hurt these people you clearly care about, or you can admit what you're doing is wrong. And I think that I, I bought the choice that she ended up making. Mm-hmm. I have a really funny story about that pig scene. About Please who, tell. I was watching it. I was watching the movie with someone. And when those pigs came out and I was like, oh, I would love to own a pig. And I'm still getting to know this person. And he was like, yeah, 
I would really love to cook a whole pig and just look completely mortified. Like, like wait, I meant like as a pet. And he's like, right. but we would eat it, right? That's messed up. That person's just rude. Like, I, I like pork as much as the next guy. And a whole hog barbecue is, that, that, I don't know if you've is... ever eaten a whole, I don't know if you've ever had like a pig roast before. It's great. But if someone That's said, I would have a pig, room, I wouldn't, think, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. think that they meant to eat. Yeah. All right. So I gotta say, like, obviously, this, this isn't it, like a you want to go to an all day breakfast afterward, like segue that you get. So I mean, obviously, in Dominican culture, which obviously is part of my descent, the pernil, you know, the pork is a part of you know pork shoulder, you know, a roast pork shoulder. Obviously, my wife is Guyanese, so obviously you get the jerk pork. So there's a lot of pork just flying around. Delicious. I. That being said. If I was hanging out with somebody, that would not be my choice of words. <laughs> First, you want to hold on to that like, for a little damn. while. No, yeah, you, really. you got to say, this is the thing. Honestly, Shiv, this is my word of advice. Anyone you're hanging out with, if their response to I want to own a pig isn't, oh, you know, George Clooney used to own a pig, then they're not worth talking to. That's just, I feel like that's the only <laughs> okay, response. This person, though, has actually subscribed to your Patreon and does listen oh, to the Oh, what's up? Oh, so... okay. yeah, I would have liked to have heard one. that, I don't know, five minutes ago. Wait, wait. Um, it, can we can we break down at least uh, which tier each of you are at so we can know which side we're going to be on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they tier? No, okay. Anyway, let's move on from that. Um, let's just quickly run through the other supporting characters before we get to another category. Sounds um, good. Mason, who I think had to have had scenes cut because there's no reason why he would have been as high, highly billed as uh, um, as it um, as he was. But what was your guys' opinion on? Because I mean, one of the scenes I thought that ScarJo actually acted well was the scenes with him where there was definitely sexual tension that uh, felt real. So I think it's notable that initially um before this movie he was probably they changed the story it's pretty clear that they changed the story a while back and i don't know if it's the delays or anything that had to do with it i think he was supposed to be taskmaster at least at the start because in the casting grid um he was like aligned with being a villain in it and then all of a sudden it changed so the story changed at some point i don't know exactly how or why or whatever but I think, you know, odds on you would be led to believe that he was supposed to be Taskmaster originally, and they changed that for whatever reason that they did. Um, does Did it affect um, any thoughts of him um, in the role? It was a very limited role. Um, yeah. It was kind of weird to see him with a poster, and, you know, exactly. he was in the movie for like seven, eight minutes. I think the reason why they gave him a poster is because so many people were saying, hey, he doesn't have a poster, that must mean he's Taskmaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, any thoughts about him from anyone? Um, I, I, I'll just say, I think that if he didn't have a character poster and wasn't like pretty highly billed, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought anything of him. Is he actually anybody in, I, in the comics? I couldn't like actually couldn't think back to who he would have been or that they could pivot the story to him being. Not, any, not anybody I know, because what was his name? Rick Mason, I think. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, it's not anything that uh, to you know directly to my knowledge, and I don't know Howard if you have any have any thoughts on this either. No, I thought that he, I thought that once again he showed up early in the film, and it made you think once again that Natasha had a life outside of the Avengers, and that she was because think about what they've done to her romantically. Think of they tried to link her with damn near every Avenger at some point, right? So. Um, you know, she dated Barton in the comic book. I mean, she's 
you know, and you can see how close they were, no matter what, even though he had a private, you know, family in the farm somewhere. So I thought that this character was going to sort of take us similarly to where, where the Hawkeye character was taken in Age of Ultron, that, hey, guess what? Natasha actually does have a personal life. She actually does have a love life. She has actually survived in some level what was going, you know, what had been done to her in her childhood and as in growing up and she was trying to rebuild because it's, you know, I fight with one of my friends about this all the time about, about, about what the MCU has done to her personal life. That was she, you know, trying to, there's this debate as to whether or not Natasha was trying, was in, in uh, Winter Soldier, was she flirting with Cap when they're driving to New Jersey? Who do you want me to be? Or how about a friend? Or was, you know, was she fishing or was she just flirting? Mm. I take the position that she was fishing. And my friend takes the position that she was just flirting. And so seeing the Mason character made me think once again that they're trying to say something about Natasha as a character. And then he was on screen for 10 minutes and that was that. Yeah, I think that sums it up well. OT is such a strong actor though. Like if you've, if any of you have watched um, A Handmaid's Tale, um, where he's I haven't he's, but he's very hot so I, he's I get he's he's very attractive but he is such a good actor um, and he can convey so many emotions so I think it was really a misstep for them to not utilize this this great person in this movie so well, well I mean I could I could see them bring him back in some way shape or form I mean no one the only series where no character is less got, is like only the fast and furious is better at bringing back every character possible so i think they think of bringing it's, it's back. about family characters right well the thing yeah. that's the thing that's interesting here that we don't talk nearly enough about is the politics of the moment what is happening in the real world while these films are being made there's no question that you've got two films that were being made during me too endgame and black widow Right. There are others as well, but these two you could see having the scene of women in Endgame. It's a reaction to what's happening in the real world. Right. It's what's happening to you, know, you can see what's happening with the diversity questions when you're watching the MCU with Oscar so white and everything. Look at, you know, my sister was asking me, is every cop in the, you know, in the TVU, are they all black women? Right. I mean, so you're looking at who's actually getting jobs now. And so then also when you're watching the Black Widow, you're seeing, okay, every, the male characters are so far in the background, which does feel like a pivot. And then on top of that, every female character in that movie is a victim, all of them, right? Even the bad guys are victims. Like, so there's a, so they're really not fighting each other, even though they're fighting each other, each, each, all of them are victims of Dragoff right and then taskmaster in her in in her own way is a victim both of natasha and of dragoff right so there's so the tension that you're creating in your storytell is very much reflective of what's happening in the world outside of the film and so to me i was sitting here thinking okay at some point you got to just let them all fight right at some point somebody's this is what good guy bad guy films are about They've got to go at each other. And you could see that there was there was so much Winter Soldier in that Taskmaster Natasha scene. I'm not leaving without you. I'm with you to the end of the line, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, don't open that glass. She's gonna she's coming after you, right? <laughs> and so, and we're we're falling out of the sky at 40,000 you know, feet. 
And I was like, this is a mirror image of, of Bucky and Cap. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, and I'm, it's a good pivot to Taskmaster, which I think I've seen a lot of people mention how like they kind of failed the character based on what Taskmaster could do in the comics. But I just want before we get to that, I, I think the thing I was disappointed about is, because I know nothing about the comics and that's not something I'm really ever paying attention to. I feel like on its own terms, from a cinematic perspective, I was really disappointed by how little the Taskmaster's abilities were shown in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like the bit where yeah. they showed from the heads up yeah, display, the like mm -hmm. analyzing mm -hmm. Natasha, I wish in every fight you saw something like that where it was very, it was, it, so much of it, it was never clear what Taskmaster it was tried to do a greatest hits of like, it's all the Avengers, but you'd really yeah. have to like, you know, almost like freeze frame, like, oh, knife flip. That's yeah. Winter Soldier. Exactly. Like, it was very basic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I wish uh, that they just did it better cinematically, but I, I, I think like I, I mentioned it a couple of times, I was really excited what they would do with the Taskmaster just because I'm always like yearning for like a really cool villain in Marvel. And uh, I, I kind of wanted just Taskmaster to be like a Darth Maul. Just like like you come out and just like this is a serious motherfucker. And I I, I think like the first fight on the bridge was cool. Yeah. I yeah. like that a lot. It worked there. Um, I think it works really well there. Uh I I think because it needs the conceit of like the reveal, which I mean, I think everyone kind of catches pretty early on that who this is. Um I, I think in trying to reconcile that afterward, like you get kind of robbed. And also you have Taskmaster fight um like red guardian which is kind of played a little more for the comedy of it than it is mm -hmm. uh you know again like a really good like moment of you know let him fight so i i just wanted to say like as far as i mean obviously as somebody who is a taskmaster fan this is one of the reasons why i was mostly excited for the film and i think obviously they use the character as a means to an end i think the thing that probably disappointed me the most about it was not even necessarily the action just Taskmaster from just a verbal standpoint is just it's a trash talking villain like when he's fighting mm. Spider-Man he's fighting any of these characters he is talking so much trash and the fact that she's so this is like X-Men Wolverine Origins Deadpool well Taskmaster actually has like Bomb, a whole right Deadpool there. series like he spends yeah. time with Deadpool so right. like he can keep up definitely for sure right. And yeah, yeah, Shiv, what was it that you wanted to see out of Taskmaster? Um, I, I mean, like, comics. Tony Masters in the comics is just a cool character. Um, he's along the, you know, like we just said, like, he's along the lines of, like, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, the, the Discord is actually pinning me right now, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but um, the he's along the lines of Deadpool, where he's just, like, a shit-talking fun character that um has cool action and is just fun and i think that we missed out on all that fun and the fun villain that we could have had and that's not to say that antonia isn't a good um way to bring about taskmaster i just think they could have had just so much more fun with it in a production wise and just like you were all saying like uh production wise we don't really understand the you know like the whole idea of like this person can replicate moves from a character except in like this very uh technology like scene that is only in there for like two minutes mm -hmm. every once in a while and maybe that's because 
if we're looking at the movie, they probably spent most of their budget on these action scenes that they didn't really get to develop this character more, but I would have loved to see more. And maybe it's funny that you bring about Darth Maul because maybe it is like a Darth Maul thing where the movies never really did Darth Maul justice, but then as time goes on in the um, you know, the Star Wars cinematic scene, you get to see more and um, maybe we'll see more of Taskmaster. Yeah, I would say like in terms of at least the Darth Maul comp, like I totally agree because the shows and everything like really go into the character, but you still come out of Phantom Menace thinking like Darth Maul is cool as hell. Even Darth if he's Maul not. Stole that, yeah. Darth Maul stole yeah. that movie. Yeah. Um, it was now it was on like in the open and no one was around. It was easy to steal, but yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, the other piece of that too is that the, there's just so much here, right? I mean, when you're looking at what this movie was, you had so much ground you had to cover. There wasn't a whole lot of room to cover Taskmaster that much because of what you did to the character. You turned the character into, now this is Dragoff's daughter. So now you got to tie that together as well, right? So now there's something else there that you've got you've to deal with. And I think the other piece of that, like that, that character and the relationship to Dragoff reminded me very much of X2 with Stryker and his son and the whole thing. I'm like, how many more emotional layers can you put on this when mm-hmm. something's gonna get short shrift? Something's gonna get lost in this. And not every, not every villain superhero relationship, they don't all have to be tied together. Sometimes ding, just ding, let the ding, bad ding. guy be the bad guy. And they don't have to have uh-huh. some interrelated thing there. You know, you stole my lunch money in the eighth grade and now here we go, <laughs> right? It doesn't have to be that. Yeah, because the thing that, and I've said this before, the thing that makes superheroes interesting is that they see a problem that's facing the whole world and they say, I want to solve that. If every problem is related to them directly, then it's like, well, you're just dealing with your own problems. That's not that oh, exactly. It becomes narcissism. And I think that even in like in the Spider-Man universe, I remember making a list once of how many characters, how many bad guys were just bad guys and how many bad guys were completely interrelated to the characters like for example you know like the green goblin obviously and you know peter parker and harry osborne they have history but electro and spider-man have no history they're this guy's a bank robber that guy's a superhero right so but what the what one of the biggest mistakes that comic movies do is they think that everybody has to be interconnected that they all have to be related that all of this becomes personal and maybe it's not personal at all actually i I was going to say howard I think because of the Drakeoff thing, it kind of undercuts the third act overall because you're having this very long drawn out conversation with with him and Natasha. And it's almost like, yeah, he's kind of revealing the plot and they want to do the reverse Loki situation from Avengers with with him and her. But to me, it didn't it didn't hit for me the same way, because it's like in terms of in terms of the whole villain thing, Drakeoff is just a dude. He's just yeah. a dude who kind of controls stuff and it's not like really. And then of course you have the, the mute soldier in Taskmaster and then that's not doing it either. So like I thought in that instance, once you get to the red room in the sky, the movie be, specifically because of that scene, to me yeah. at least it stalled a little bit and it kind of yeah. like made it a little clunky the rest of the way. Well, it became incongruent. It was like it yeah. lost, it tried to add one more layer that it didn't have, that it didn't need to have. And yeah. so and so now what do we do with that layer? Let's just let the whole thing fall from the sky and just 
solve it with special <laughs> effects and magic. Let's yeah, exactly. just solve it. Yeah. Do you think that layer? Because if we just go back to Taskmaster, you can you can take you could have taken that layer and just gone in with like more shield stuff and gone oh, right. to a holy a whole new fun. I don't even know what word I'm trying to use. Or, like better story that you could have told with the it. biggest problem that you had with the Taskmaster character to me at least is that that character was so much more powerful than the protagonist that you had to turn the protagonist into total suspension of disbelief because Taskmaster takes yeah. Natasha Romanoff and beats the living shit out of her yeah. if you're just fighting person to person, right? So then how do we tie this together? I think that either you have to go easier on the backstory, on the family story, or go hard in on Taskmaster because two the two of them don't survive together. One of them is going to get shorted. Yeah, and and I think the thing that didn't work for me with the last the third act was I don't need what's his face drag off or whatever. Uh, just knew it. Yeah, well, you would I, drag no, on. Huh? Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I just was like, also, I'll, I'll say it was just completely, ta- I was completely taken out of it because it's like, they cast like, t- Ray Winstone is just not Russian. He's just not. He's just so, and he's so aggressively not. But anyway, that I didn't need him to have a crazy, like, he, like where you show like the map, like basically I control governments or whatever. Like, I don't need yeah. that from him. The thing that makes him bad is that he kidnaps little girls. Like he's yeah. not bad because he's yeah. trying to take over the world. And yeah, it exactly. felt so impersonal. He didn't need to do anything new. Exactly. And like, not that I like want to see it like go in detail, but like, I think that if you saw, if the, the ten, if the thing that like inspired, that, that made it feel dire was like the torturing and like controlling of these women, well, if that it, was the thing, then, then right. I would feel much more like it was a much more interesting to plot arc for Nat, whereas she's just saving the world again. The widows, well, exactly. like that's a secondary thing that they get cured, but it well, doesn't feel like it's about that. No, that's right. And, and that's what I mean about the layers where you just keep adding layers. And sometimes it reminded me a little bit of Spider-Man Far From Home in that this character is not strong enough to save the world. Let the story be smaller. Not everybody can save the world. That's the reason why when you read the comic books, Daredevil's a neighborhood guy in Hell's Kitchen. Why? Because he's not strong enough to save the world. Spider-Man is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Why? Because he's not strong enough to save the world. You know, when you need the world saved, you call the Fantastic Four, you call the Avengers because they can actually do that. And you're not going to call Natasha Romanoff to save the world, right? But it plays more into that this is the female hero that they gave everybody. Yeah, so this, yeah, they have to prove that she can. Save she can the save world. the world the same yeah. way the rest yeah. of them can. And I think and, and, that, and I think it goes back to your original point of you know we already know what happens to her. So then, what's the point if this is not even like that strong of a character to go no, back and she, to? Well, yeah. well, and that that brings me to another debate that I'm having <laughs> with my with my Marvel fan, friend. <laughs> and I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shout you out, Joanna, because yes, it's you. And um, we need to get your Marvel friends to go on competing podcasts exactly. to argue at you right. from there. Yeah. And her feeling on this is that okay, this was the the silent, subtle reveal. And AC, we talked about this on DM yeah. that Natasha is also enhanced. That Natasha has mm. super soldier serum because the, the 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 double agent program in Ohio at the beginning of the movie was a super soldier you know, project. And so that Natasha is a superhero as well. She's enhanced. And I'm like, I, I'm not sure I get that because at no point in the film, 
I, I think they just went fast and furious over the top suspension of disbelief. I'm going to break my own nose and just kind of just fix Listen. it and right. just go. We talked about. She could put up a thirty spot in game three after that. I could not believe how many times she was bouncing off of stuff. She uh, falling in the river. The car got blown up twice. The car got blown up and flipped over, and she. She's on that Tom Brady diet though, where she doesn't get inflammation. (laughs) Even the red room scene where she's getting punched and kicked by all of these other widows, not even a busted rib. Like come Mm. on, people. Like I think the thing is in these movies, people don't understand. In real life, people die from getting punched in the face all, all the, the fucking time, time. all the time and so well, like and I also know. at 40,000 feet you're dead the minute you get out there you suffocate you're not going to just you know torpedo your way down to the earth and just slide down on this, the and you know, just avoid all the debris and then like get caught on a, on a piece of debris and then you know punch it out a little bit i was like okay this is where you have to decide yeah. Yes. That you're just in on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I like Do they try to tell it to us, though, that like the new Black Widow suits give you these new powers no. kind of things? Because I, so. I felt like they were trying to sell that to you Is a that, little yeah. bit. Maybe. I, I, in that this case, it's better. a little better. bit more explicit then. Uh, in, yeah, in, in it is wild. I mean, I, I think if the, anything that they're trying to sell is that they like through all this programming, they don't, their threshold is so extreme yeah. that they don't feel a thing i mean the three fake punches she got from Dracov, i was right. like if i got those i well my jaw would already be black and blue so i have no idea how i i don't know that actually was an <laughs> ongoing conversation that uh, my friends and i had throughout just like from the very beginning to where they're escaping and just in every given moment we kept on saying we would give up by now yeah, my son we would just constantly me. give up and just constantly not like just be like it's fine. It's we're spies. I um, d- I did say they did movie. make a special effects uh, choice where when she does jump from the red room while it's bur- like the explosion is behind mm-hmm. her, some of her braids do cinder in special right. effects a little bit. <laughs> well, my my son that. said we get we get in the car and I'm like, what did you think? And he says, how she dies and every- she'd be dead in every scene. Yeah. And I was like, so you weren't buying that rip roaring thrill a minute. He's like, he says, this was this enhanced the glass montage. Because yeah. that's what we watch. Because glass doesn't even break the skin. This is 40,000 feet in the air, and you can breathe up there. I was like, well, what about and she the gliding too? She was exactly. very smoothly. She was just- it was truly like it was it was truly like. Kate Shortland screened the scene from Point Break and just said, this is, this is nothing. Like, fuck this. Yeah, this is, right, this is too right. realistic. <laughs> right. And, 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 and from, from that perspective, I admire it. I admire, cause it just, it's so, it also like, I, maybe, maybe they are, they're falling for the amount of time, but it feels like they're falling for way too long. Um, for how long, like it felt like the runway at the end of Fast and there. Furious 6. Yeah, it was, it, and once again, I mean, I feel like, smaller stories are, are better stories sometimes that they they, they made this a, a gigantic story and it, it's what i refer to as the you know the lord of the rings pitfall which is you create these insurmountable odds that the odds are so enormous that there's only one way to fix it and that's with magic on the seventh day right or on the fifth day whatever day it was <laughs> and then gandalf's going to show up snap his fingers okay we're straight 
we're good, right? <laughs> I mean, he came it, back white, so it came, exactly right, and so well, that solves everything. So um, it, it, that stuff wasn't really necessary, but at the same time, I think once again, when we talk about where we are in the world and what's happening to you coming into a theater, it was good to be at the movies again. I was like, I'm good. Totally. Yeah. 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 And that I wanted to get to the quick, the other two categories we generally did, but we've covered a lot of this. Um, but I'm just going to go person by person. Howard, what was your favorite scene in this movie? Um, I actually thought, I mean, I'm, I'm a little torn. I, I think my favorite scene in the movie, I thought the bridge scene was a great fight scene. That mm -hmm. told me, I was like, okay, we're onto something. We got something here. This is good. But I also like the double agent beginning. I like the, I like the plane scene, you know, and I was asking the question, did he fly on the wing all the way to Cuba? <laughs> it felt like he did. That is a good question. Yeah. Uh, AC. Um, for me, I think it's Yelena and Natasha's first meeting and fighting again. It was a very, very good scene. And the fact that it's stretched out into this entire action palette of the widows attacking them and everything, that was very, very well done. So that, I would say that's my favorite. Rome? Um, I'm going to lean, like, bridge scene, I think I was just a big fan of because I feel like it delivered the most of like as a person who doesn't know about Taskmaster, but I'm like, oh, so this is what Taskmaster is. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, you know, just the family re reunion, that was just really fun and to go into for sure. And like, if anything seems to be the conceit of the movie more than anything else. Shiv? I think I liked breaking um, Red Guardian out of the, the prison the yep. most. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, good. yeah. And I think that this is, I think that this is how I know that this is not, like, I think there's a lot of discussion. Anytime there's a new Marvel movie that comes out that's not universally considered great, it's like, oh, did they make a bad one? And I think the fact that we all kind of have different scenes that we liked is evidence that, like, this isn't. My favorite's probably the family reunion, but the thing I want to shout out is I thought that, and this is, this is, because this is so up my wheelhouse in terms of things I like, I thought the opening credits were unbelievable. I really that, love the opening like, credits. I thought that if yeah. the tone of the movie was the tone of the opening credits, it would have been a lot the, less like, funny. Over the smells like it Teen Spirit been, cover. I yeah. mean, because, okay, yeah. if you give me like a slow down haunting cover of a song from like the 80s or 90s, I'm just going to like it no matter what. It's on the yeah. easiest mark in the world. But then Which, like, you got I was going to say, I actually have to disagree because it just had nothing. It's, it was a great opening credit scene, but it had nothing to do with the movie. Yes. And it was I just agree. so incredibly I, I think Jake's long. point being here, just yeah, saying like, if the movie yeah. was like, that. actually yeah. matched I, I think that, what they wanted to accomplish with that was the horror of what the reality of what Natasha and Yelena went through getting transported. But also the other thing it does is, which is this is also another thing I'm a mark for. Like truly it was like, I had to ask the person I saw the movie with, like, did you see a different opening credits? Cause this might've just been my eyes where they show a character being Photoshopped into old photos with real people. Love it. Where they had like Bill Clinton in it. Like always great. Always. That's just not me on Twitter. Like, oh, right. That's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought that was a really cool. And I really hope that Marvel does takes chances like that going forward because it felt like the first time they really had like a interesting choice of how to do like they've had like some animation stuff but this felt like a cool um i don't know it, it felt out of tone for marvel um it kind of reminded me of like a bond film and yeah they yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i would agree um but yeah shout out to that one quick thing to me by the way so after the gigantic floating red room in the sky hits the earth and nobody gets hit with any of the debris and everybody lives, um, 
how how did Natasha get away from Ross? They were she, all coming she for doesn't, her. Right? She smirks. So, no, she does. I'm glad you mentioned this, <laughs> Howard, and it's and it's in this and it's actually an aside. Man, that was a very very like felt like a waste of William Hurt in this movie. I mean, it's not like he's doing that much else these days, but yes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I get, mean talking through this pod, you kind of wonder she... for a sec if, like, the William Hurt character could have just been the fill-in for the Drakov this whole time. And just I consistently think that, stick. I think they definitely but, like, I, it just wouldn't have been. Scenes. I think Sorry? they had yeah. to cut some scenes with him. They, they but you're right, Howard, in general, like, regarding the whole, like, she just gets away even after everybody's coming through. I mean, uh, anything is solvable, Harold, when are uh, when you actually are able to just add a two weeks later to anything. You just <laughs> yeah. solve anything. <laughs> like, I, I thought like it, it was trying to imply that she like deals with it for a second and then like escapes again somehow. Exa- yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but that, that, that's I basically what happened. I was like, okay, did they capture her? Because she, they didn't capture her. No, they don't. Because the next time we see her, she's got blonde hair, and that's the same outfit she's got in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked she's going they... to break uh yeah. people out and yeah. That's right. Yeah. I but I like to they broke them out anyway. at the end of Civil War. Right. <laughs> yeah. I it was a very it was confusing. I think that like with a character, if like Iron Man was in that situation, you'd be like, I trust Iron Man to escape, but Natasha doesn't have power. So it's kind of like, yeah. well, how is she gonna escape? You know? Um, but uh, and then one last big question, like just uh, if you guys don't have one, you could just say you don't remember. But what was like your favorite line? I assume it's probably gonna be something Yelena related for some of us, Shiv. Oh, I do. I have one. Um, Wait, go back to me because I can't. Oh. I'm thinking about it still. So. Uh, AC. Um, uh, mine is I'm not the killer. Little girls call their hero. Um, I mm. thought that was very poignant, and it was just another example of the the Yelena character and the way that they used her and the way that they introduced her and just made her matter in a way that you didn't feel about Natasha. It's just that stuff. And she had lines like that throughout the Mm -hmm. film. And that's the thing, like you could pick like four or five different ones, but that one, you know, when Natasha's talking about uh, being a hero and trying to do something good and stuff like that. And, you know, Yelena's talking about the idea of, I'm not that. I can never be that. And I think it's a harbinger of what her character is going to be going forward. Well, that's right, because she she's an assassin still. Yeah. And yeah, and I actually thought too that that this was one of those times, one of those special times in the MCU. Hopefully, you saw it with Chris Hemsworth, you saw it with Chris Evans, where that actor knows that character. Oh, she definitely does. That actor knows that character. And that actor is like becoming that character. Yes. You you know, Chris Evans nails Captain America in a way that you just, nobody anticipated. Mm-hmm. And the same way that Chris Hemsworth became a much, much bigger player as Thor than I think anybody sort of anticipated in terms of his range. Um, for for me, it was, it was Rachel saying, I am very clearly injured. <laughs> oh, that, that is, was mine too so i cracked up so <laughs> badly uh and my favorite i there's two different uh elena lines i don't know the exact line but i love the run about talking about the pockets in the vest was just really really great that would but be mine too the the it's that's actually the lines up but the delivery with when she does the the uh the pose on uh, the Red Room carrier and yeah. the sincerity with which she like shudders says that was disgusting <laughs> like she really is disgusted by it I thought it was a good button to that run because it's yeah. like because she makes fun of, makes fun of her and then she tries it and it's 
not normal. And I think in a normal movie, you'd be like, oh, this is cool. But it's like, no, that's just, this is what the hell's wrong with her. Um, yeah, I thought I, it was a really fun cast. Yeah, I was going to say my my 1A to that, and I don't want to add to the list, but I wasn't, I was torn. Is, no, also when, is also when Yelena says, you know, essentially that Thor doesn't need ibuprofen winner. Oh, right. <laughs> right. That is true. That was uh, great. That is, yeah. I really loved the bit that um, Red Guardian was trying to just talk to Natasha over the, the comms yeah. and just oh, yeah. every single time was like failing because he didn't have an airpiece, even though he, you know, was really tr- clearly trying. Loved that. We have enough fuel to get to St. Petersburg and then the plane. Oh, <laughs> great <laughs> cut. Great yeah. cutaway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, I think we're going to be wrapping up. Uh, but I think. Finger. We got to talk about that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's... I, I have notes. Um, <laughs> and because we're wrapping up, uh, I was going to do a different transition, but sure. Because we're wrapping up, we got to talk about the Stinger, um, which, you know, is was much anticipated. I remember that afterwards, a uh, friend of the show, Michael Springthorpe, turned to me and said about JLD, oh, I forgot she was in this. Um, and so in the singer, we, of course, see uh, Yelena at uh, Natasha's grave in Ohio. Um, and Val shows up. And basically, you've learned that she's working for Val. And she has the the, the dossier on the guy that was responsible for Natasha's death. And AZ, who is that man? That is one Clint Barton, and you can you can insert that drop right there. Heaven don't have a name. You're damn <laughs> I'm right. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> After that, yes. Um, and so I just I, I just gotta say, like this really it does set up Hawkeye in a very interesting way because Hawkeye's character has plenty to deal with on its own in this show, um, with the with the uh, comic book a- adaptation of him going deaf. That's going to be something that's that's going to be very interesting to see, and pretty much this cast that's in it. It's uh, if you look up the Hawkeye cast, it's a lot of a lot of heavy hitters, stacked. very stacked, um, yeah. and it's very fascinating. And then obviously we know Yelena's going to be in this series at some point, so there's a there's a big juggling act happening there. Uh, I'm very fascinated to see how this story plays out between the two of them. Yeah, and clearly we also know that Hawkeye's daughter takes over for him too. So you can certainly see a Elena showdown at some point. Wait, is it his daughter or is it Kate Bishop? Oh no, Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop, Bishop is not his daughter. Kate yeah. Bishop's uh, yeah, somebody that yeah. he takes yeah. in. Also, takes I should say, this is a, just another example of Val slowly building her team up. Whatever this team is, whether we're right. talking about Thunderbolts or Dark yeah. Avengers, however it is, it's... It's slowly became, becoming a, a but thing. You're getting, exactly. You're getting your Brotherhood of Evil Mutants as we speak. <laughs> Although, yeah. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little skeptical that Yelena is going to stay an adversary for very long, just for two reasons. One, because I don't think that... I, I, I don't think they... There's no way that they I think they could have watched Black Widow and been like, what audiences really want to see is her as a bad guy for two movies. And also, because they didn't set her up to be like, if she goes like two full movies be or like series not getting that uh, Natasha sacrificed herself. I just wouldn't believe that she's just too smart and not, she just doesn't come off as evil to me. And so I really hope that I hope they don't want them to resolve it immediately. But if it's like, if they just go through a series of misunderstandings to keep Yelena as an adversary, I would be kind of disappointed. Cause it's just like, she's too smart to be like that, you know, tricked easy. Well, it feels like they're presenting 
her and at least this team so far because you know specifically how they want to present john walker as opposed to what we saw they want to give you these gray areas with these with these characters so as opposed to your straight up your villains it's almost like an anti-hero type of it's real suicide squad that, there you go. I mean, that's I. I hate John Walker as much as the next guy, but I don't want to know if I compared him to the Suicide Squad. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've got enough bandwidth to to uh, handle John Walker on a full time basis. <laughs> I don't. I think we're. I think we'll be good. I, I yeah. think that it'll gotta be go. He's gotta Marvel's got to be. They've been pretty good at I think reading the room with characters. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think that they're gonna. I think that they have heard what people thought about Sean Walker. I don't know, but that's a subject for a different day. I definitely um, think we'll see way more Val, though. But yes, because I think yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got a you've you you've set up Val and the power broker. So Val and Sharon are mining some of the same territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Very fascinating. So Shiv, what do you want to see from Yelena going forward? I I mean, I would just like to see like a recurring role somewhere. I don't necessarily need to see her in another movie. Um, we're seeing that, you know, this this TV universe is growing. Um, so I think she could really translate really well to television series. So I think that's where I'm going forward. Uh, Jerome? Um I mean, the general answer is whatever the fuck she wants to do, she can do it. Like, I love Stole to see that. Words, I don't know. But uh, no, no, I, I think, especially with like a lot of the throwaway lines we were talking about, I, I think at, as a character, she is best served in terms of her story as, you know, doing stuff on TV. But I really need her interacting with the big guns yeah. just because of how fun she is in commenting on them just to have her interact with any one of like a Thor or any of the other characters is just it would be amazing. Yeah. And Howard, what are you looking to see? Um, do you need her to be part of the team or do you need just, you know, a see? Well, I think I need her to be cleaner. I, I think I don't know how much of the anti-hero I she's not Loki. And I no, don't no, no, I don't no. want I don't want them to move her into that. You can't quite tell if I'm gonna double cross you every 30 seconds. Well, uh, you know, space. She doesn't think, even seem to carry that energy in this she movie. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Her criticisms of Natasha are usually are from the moral side that yes. she's like right. trying to be a better. No, 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 not yeah. Natasha. No, exactly. Natasha is, Natasha, is yeah. Natasha is an apolitical double agent. I'm talking yeah. about the the reason why she's closer to the Loki comp is because part of the reason why Loki is Loki is because he felt passed over and you know as a child he felt like. He was second fiddle. So, you know, you get a lot of that. So I'm hoping they don't do that with her. She's got so much charisma. She can do whatever she wants. She's like, let let her be a star is what I want to see. If, if she has a chance to be a star, give her the lane to be a star. There are so few of them. Yeah. And she's, yeah. And this is one of those cases where I've joked a lot about when people fan cast Marvel roles these days. I hate when like they cast like someone from Reed Richards and like 55. And it's like, do you want them to stop playing Reed Richards in like 10 years? They got Florence Pugh under contract. She's still 25 years yeah. old. They can, can they have exactly a lot of leeway. A lot of space. And Reed Richards had gray hair when he was 30, so you don't have to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, any last thoughts for you guys before we uh, wrap this uh, this old shindig up? Um, I'll just say that in terms of, um, you know, Natasha's story overall, that while I think the previous films 
and 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 everything else in terms of her character didn't do her justice i i think they at least tried to make up for that and i think a part of that is that there was a thread um i can't remember the i can't remember the twitter account who did it um up to task um i think so is it very heavy into the comic book movie game talking about marvel studios and the fact that kevin feige was not initially in charge of everything and there was a gentleman by the name of ike perlmutter if i'm not mistaken yes, was in charge of these cool. things and he did not believe that any progressive storylines would be able to sell anything he did not believe that women characters would sell as toys can i just say that, that that's I, I don't even want to dignify that he that's what he says that's just that's the no, reason that know, but he didn't know i think it's he like, had the power no, I guess what well, I'm saying is that I don't even want to yeah. dignify his thing of that. Him, the reason he didn't want them is not because he didn't think they'd sell. He didn't want them because he didn't want to promote female characters and stuff like that. Like, I don't even right. want to give him the dignity yeah. of saying that he actually believed yeah, that it was sort of a functional logistical thing. reason. For yeah. Well, and I'm not saying fair. that I'm just, I'm not, and I'm not saying that fair, you fair. believe that I'm just saying that I, with some people like him, I hate when they hide behind, like, I have no problem with women. I just don't think people would like, fuck you. Like, yeah, anyway. yeah but, right, you know, right, but right. I think it's, but I think it's important to talk about because it, it really does control the direction of what the films look like. If, if that yeah. attitude, yeah, for sure. existed, we're talking about this movie five years ago. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the other piece of that is, I mean, this is what happens when they talk about what can sell internationally, what's got, you know what has legs what doesn't and so not to dignify it but absolutely to be aware of it yes yeah. i yeah. guess that the reason yeah. i say that is because he like ended up being if i remember correctly like being the shadow head of the va under the trump administration because he's like a crazy what he was, he was at like trump's club the whole time oh that makes um, all the sense yeah that. and so like i think that's also a good response when people talk about hollywood being liberal it's like yeah maybe people who make the movies but the people with the money are as conservative as they come but anyway yeah. yes sorry AC. yeah and just just to finish up like just two certain notes like john favreau in iron man 2 wanted to do the demon in the bottle storyline which would have been really interesting and they're like nope, mm -hmm. not doing right. that one and um they wanted to put captain marvel um earlier in in the films as opposed to this thing that we got now and i think that's why um these stories chronologically are not in the order that i'm sure kevin feige wanted uh, them to be in he clearly has a vision. And I think that's why like something like this and the subsequent things that we've seen in the TV series are taking on a more source material type of uh, edge to them. So mm. that's where, mm -hmm. you know, as this goes along and when they get the TV stuff right, I'm going to assume that they will at some point, it's going to look a lot better. So yeah, that, I think that's, that I think that's the context of the whole series. Yeah, and that's the big question I think that we've been having throughout all of these is that how, how many of how many how many times does the landing get stuck did this this is and we haven't we didn't really talk about this maybe there's a pod at some point to talk about just the the end arc of each character as the end arc of the natasha romanoff character did they stick the lander yeah well i, I think that's kind of uh ac used the phrase like do the character justice and you know i i think the general consensus here is we didn't feel too easy about whether they did Black Widow justice in terms of at least tapping in or filling in those blanks. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the question that needs to be asked, at least in terms of the intent of the people who made this film, is, is this a failure in their execution or the intent? Like, was, was their goal here to actually ever do that or, you know, present this very, like, 
uh, almost unbelievably superhuman character that goes out with kind of a bang. Like, I, I don't know what exactly they wanted. I think yeah. they wanted to do, no, I, I think they were a little conflicted in doing a little bit of both. Everything, yeah, but I think I think I it think, can no, be both. Right. Yeah, I think it can be both. Um, I, I, think I think it's both intent is... and the rollout. Right? We right. we said farewell already, and yeah. and yes, we can say the pandemic put this further out than we would have gotten it. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's just it took too long, and the intentions that they made it with originally aren't the same intentions and present day that we're you know yeah. with, that we need. And I think it would be a different story if the end to Natasha's character in Endgame was something that was sort of unexplained and that her specific, the specific circumstances behind her death were mm. something that would be answered by this movie. But we know why she sacrificed herself. That was already yeah. answered on screen, you know? Yeah. And I actually think yeah. that, I actually did, I thought that was a decent ending for her as like an apolitical double agent, her sacrificing herself for a friend, like that's whatever that's storytelling that's actually not no, for, for friend for family and for guilt yeah. that i yeah I, I mean you know when you do these things right and you didn't see this at tony stark at the end of endgame because that wasn't his reason for sacrificing himself he sacrificed himself at the end of endgame because he didn't want to he didn't know if it was going to kill him he just it had to be done whereas right. natasha natasha is trying to close the loop of this red in her ledger thing this was i need to make this right you know, and so that part of it did make sense. And so I, I think that to Jerome's point, I think that I think it's the latter of your two points. I think that they decided that all those other questions have been answered. Right. Mm. The movie didn't come out in time. So we know what happened to Natasha. There's no reason to go that heavy on backstory because we already know the end of the story. So let's let her go out with a Fourth of July bang of fireworks. And that's what they mm-hmm. did. Yeah, I am. And, 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 and I want to week. point out to about that, you know, it's not a bad thing. This was a fun movie. Yeah, it was like, which I, I think because I think that kind of can get lost in like the however long we've been recording this. You know, I came out of it watching with my friends just saying like, A, uh, kind of to Howard's point, so happy to have a Marvel movie back. That felt great. B, like super fun in watching everything that they put together, whether whatever it is you expect out of a Marvel film you i think at this point you just know they're going to deliver like maybe not in the way that you're expecting to but like you're not going to come out in any way feeling at a loss of your time and just one more just one more thing i want to shout out howard for really going out of his way to mine for some extra content with another pod trying to figure out yeah, black just... widows uh I, I I love it, man. No. There's it. a reason why he's. You see all those books behind him. He's a learned that, man. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, man. I have I books behind me. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, well, next time we'll go out and uh, we'll bring out the four comic boxes of Daredevil Volume One through 380 with 10 annuals. We'll put those, oh, wow. in, the, we'll put um, those in the back. I'm all for it. Really yes. <laughs> quickly, I have a some production stuff that I would love to, of to discuss with yeah, y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we get to this red room, which is like, you know, a flying palace in the sky. And then all of a sudden the camera just switches to like so much red flare and lens flare all over mm-hmm. the place and every single mm-hmm. action shot has this did anyone else think that was like incredibly distracting or even just like the idea that they this like holographic computer screen thing that doesn't make any sense didn't i don't know well it, it made was the screen darker like <laughs> in general like you felt 
you felt that not only the obviously the shift on screen but just like almost like a tonal shift too uh, it just felt really standpoint. literal in terms yeah, of I, yeah yeah no, they, they, they put they put it on a like they wrote it on board <laughs> red room and everyone's like and break which is bizarre because it's like they they should have just like painted the walls of the room red like they didn't need to do all that <laughs> like they I didn't need, they could have yeah. I, I didn't need the i, I would have loved just i mean since they love to break for some comedy if they just like went into one room that was just you know green <laughs> yeah, like, the red really? room is actually yeah. not red at all <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i to go Plot back twist. to howard's earlier point i would have loved if it was a ballerina studio in like yeah. the middle yeah. of nowhere mm-hmm. and yeah. you know it, that would have been cool but we get this weird like howl's moving castle in the sky <laughs> but with it, it, it was really fun. like i think that might have been the one point where I remember we might have either audibly or just internally groaned of just like, how could he possibly be so elusive? <laughs> spaceship. Oh, because he's in a spaceship, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, and that was the last thing. I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, kind of thought that, I don't remember who made the point. I think it was Jake making the point about how the Dragoff character did not have to be any more sinister than he was. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because this, when you're thinking about where we are in this moment in time as well, I mean, child sex trafficking is a big story in the world right now right you didn't have to go do whole world takeover on top of that that is story enough uh but i also felt too that take these two movies take black widow and take black panther to me what i thought was really interesting was the black widow plot here of dragoff trying to control the world with a cell of black widows was exactly the killmonger plot that they ignored and decided that the Killmonger plot was more, it was, it was more accessible to just have the old traditional trope of, 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 of T'Challa and Killmonger punching each other out in Wakanda, when actually the real danger of the Killmonger character was what Dragoff was trying, trying to do, to have an entire cell of all of these uh, people around the world. I was like, that's actually the story. You know, if you, if you took those two ends and flip-flopped them, I would have liked it better. I also yeah. feel like, if we're going into that sex trafficking storyline, those victims, those black widows, they got nothing. They got like their mind control back, but like in right. terms of of actual justice and accountability, yeah, exactly. Where there do we was go nothing. from here? What like, happens? Yeah. Exactly. And it seems pretty unlikely that we'll ever really address them again. Because with I, I think really Yelena is the only black widow that moves on from here. Which is yeah. sad because, like, yeah. you you brought in this really heavy topic, but then yeah. you just yeah. I actually am not sure about that because the one thing is that their minds may be free, but they still have their skills. They can be brought. They back. do. They could be. It's just like where you fit it in is a good question. Right. How yeah. do you make that story? Yeah, and, and I and how think do you make it matter. And I think Shiv, what you're saying is why they did the world domination thing because if they make the narrative crux about freeing these women they have to actually deal with the seriousness of what's going on and they don't want to have to do that so they have to oh, make yeah. it like and, and i understand that yeah it's it's kind of the whole it is it's the, the the can of worms you open up when you can just say like off screen that this person was kidnapped and manipulated and trained but the moment you have to show it it's kind of like oh shit we have to show it now yeah i i agree but i just you know we've seen with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and we've seen with these these past couple shows that they're they're trying now to address and even just recently with I think they put out like a statement on queer characters mm-hmm. um, they're trying to address 
the diversity and intersectionality of the real world in these shows and films now and I just would love them to actually make solid statements then. But I also realize that's not going to happen because it is Hollywood. But I I think that's also where like, I felt like that's the biggest impact of having the order switched up is now that we have these examples of how Marvel stories are taken care of when given a longer form series, you know, you ask yourself now when you're kind of presented with a Black Widow, would this have been served better as a movie or as a series? I'm not saying like one or the other, but, you know, now you actually get that opportunity asking that question when you're looking at, you know, do we want to dive deeper into certain things like that? Because I think that's the kind of thing that you can't do in a Marvel movie in just over two hours. Exactly. And speaking of series, uh, hope you guys all join us later this week as we talk about the finale of Loki, which is going to be exciting. But before we get to that, I want to thank our guests so much for spending two hours with us talking about this movie. You you know, you got friends for the show. Our pull friends. a KD game seven. Exactly. <laughs> but this time his foot wasn't on the line. I'll start with you, Howard. Howard of Meadowlark Media, ESPN senior writer. And I see you just turned in your manuscript for your Ricky Henderson book. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Where can people find you? No, my pleasure. I am easily found at... Um... H. Bryant 42 on Twitter. Yes. Full Dissident. Yep. And yes, Full Dissident, great book. Uh, I read that when I had a slow day at work and I got through it in one day. Great stuff. Uh, and Shiv, where can people find well, you? That speaks to the depth of the project. I also, my, it was, I, I, when I say it was a slow day at work, it was like a Friday where I was the only one on. And it was I, like, I, I just went through that. It was like lunch. It was <laughs> lunch. I probably started at like it 10 was in the morning so good and I finished it at like It was five. so engrossing. That. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's had a couple of fun moments on the show. Today. Yeah, it's, it's really, honestly, I don't even know why I try sometimes. It's really just, this has been not a great pod for me and which is, ha- the problem too is it's so I been know, great. It's been because a, you, I know you've the been more I get on Jake. my face, the better it is for the show. Which is Jake, you definitely. are amazing. This is Thank a you. Jake appreciation moment. Hey, yes, I appreciate sure. that. Of course, of course. But the thing is, the, the thing I said about uh, theaters in China is really not good. Anyway, <laughs> why <laughs> did you good. bring it back I, up? That's because, the because I know is. what comedy is. Anyway, Shiv, hmm. where are we going to find you? It's classic callback. Oh man, um, you can find me maybe taking a break from this pod. Um, no, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me at Shivani Banfall on all social handles. You can find me in the Discord, which you guys should join the MCU discord um so much fun you can find a really great picture of canton in there right now fantastic Um, and (laughs) yes just uh hang out with me on twitter and the discord of course and uh my co-host my wonderful co-host anthony canton the third we will find you (laughs) you can follow me at on twitter at anthony canton underscore three jake said it and i will reiterate the Loki coverage that this show is going to do. Yeah. Going to I'm, I'll, I'll tease it. I was going to tease it out after we're done with this, but I got, I got some teases. Um, okay. Jerome. It's going to be very interesting. So I, I hope everybody rates, reviews, subscribe. So even if you're not a Patreon, hit us with the oh, rate absolutely. review on the, on the Apple totally. podcast. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be posting from Toronto, Canada. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Trick Monk, and where me and Andre Breer talk about the U.S. Universal Series Monk. And keep listening to this show. 
go get on the Patreon. We got like a, the Mission Impossible pod earlier this month. We're going to be putting up our um, Spider-Man 2 podcast next week, probably. Um, or week after next. Week, week after, after next. next. Yeah, yeah. Sorry week about after that. Next, yeah. And, but yeah, our Loki coverage. We got um, the Loki finale later this week. And next week we got to do a mailbag and some other special stuff that you're going to want to tune in. And if you, you like- never know you, who might if, be dropping by. If you got a friend- who's really into Loki, who maybe not even isn't, isn't on Twitter, say like, hey, you want to hear some people have a fun conversation about Loki? Uh, you know, send them their way, our way. But more important than that, please just uh, have a great rest of your week and tune in next time on Marvel Cinematic University. We'll see you later in the week. Yes. Yeah, uh, basically. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>